All right, good morning. I'm wearing many hats today. Hopefully that was all right. Um, <clears throat> so today we are talking about the hope of the gospel, and uh, Doug's kind of leading up to, to this. He's been talking about the darkness that our world um, is dealing with and faces in Sunday school, um, in, in church on Sunday mornings. It is the theme. It is something we fight against. And um, I wanted to, I, I feel like today we've kind of got two, two parts to the sermon. Am I super loud? Is this very loud? Um, we have two parts to the sermon. So the first part is, is unfortunately, um, going to be talking all about the darkness that, that we're dealing with. And specifically, because it is me, um, I'll be talking to our students about the darkness that they face in their life and be calling to action some of that. The second part is going to be more joyful, hopefully, and we'll be talking about the hope of being renewed and what the gospel brings and how the gospel brings it into our life. But I wanted to start out this morning with that song, and um, I really like that song. It's, <clears throat> at first glance, it took me five, six listens. At first glance, it's, it's, it's fine. I was driving home from, from taking my daughter a few weeks ago. It came on my Spotify, and I was like, ooh, that's a dope song. Uh, listened to it on repeat a couple times. And here's the thing, is, is really what we're going to talk about um, when it comes to our culture and our students this morning is this uh, kind of subversive um, rot that Satan brings into our life unexpectedly. So that song, it's positive, uh, sounds positive, it's got a positive, upbeat tone to it. It's melodic, um, it's kind of catchy. It seems on the out that it is good. Uh, it has no swear words, no graphic anything, <coughs> all right? But I want, I want you to catch the last part of what it says. It says, all the damage in the end makes me who I am. All right, all the damage in the end makes me who I am. What that song is talking about is, is through all of these heartbreaks and all of these things that we go through. It's the damage at the, at the end of the situation or the end of our life that really makes us who we are. That is horribly broken. That is profoundly broken. And the thing is, is that that, that broken message is, 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 is layered under, under niceties, all right? And this is, this is the subversive nature of, of Satan is so often, so often that is what, what hits us. And we bring this stuff into our life and we don't even realize it. Now, you could listen to that song a hundred times. I listen to it when I'm cleaning. It's not, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, my goodness, yeah, the, the, the brokenness who I is dictates who I am. But that's the thing is, like, it's a good way to start off the message today. Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I, um, the next slide, it has, a, I, I panicked last night and I picked a different scripture because it just, the one I picked felt wrong. Still, still applicable, but it felt wrong. So we're going to have the two scriptures up on the, on the screen, um, and uh, if you could open up uh, in, your, in your Bibles. The first one is not 7 through 25, it is Romans 12, 1 and 2, and this is what it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right? The renewing of our mind. We attest to this, this the sacrificing of, of our lives, of our, of our bodies. We don't conform to this world, but we stand against it. The next one 
is 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 33. It says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising question of conscience, for the earth uh, is the Lord's and everything in it. If I'm an unbeliever, uh, invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you that has been offered as sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I am referring to the other's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of, of something I thanked God for? Here, catch this at, at, at the end. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many. So I read those scriptures this morning because we come into this, this problem that we're dealing with. And uh, this stuff has been weighing on me for, for quite a long time. So as I said, we're going to break the sermon up into two parts today. The first part is going to be talking, uh, unfortunately, about all the darkness uh, in the world. Um, and, and here's the thing. We're, we're gonna, I'm going I'm to list out a group of problems that will be on the next slide. Parents, write these down. All right. The list I'm going to give you, I encourage you to go home, sit with your kids, spend a little bit of time watching the things that they watch on YouTube, listening to the music that they listen to on their Spotify playlists, um, because I can tell you uh, it is horrible. Isn't that right, kids? Yeah, Megan's like, it is horrible. All right. Since I'm a youth minister, this is what I do. I spend my free time researching all of the garbage that you guys tell me about that I hear through the, through the grapevine. And, uh, and I have my daughter especially to thank for some of this. We have very interesting conversations I never thought I would have with a 14-year-old girl um, more often than I thought I would ever have to have them. But what are the problems that we're dealing with? Well, the first one uh, that our students are dealing with is uh, we live uh, in a world that actively promotes the destruction of our families. Right? That's just plain and simple. It's not news to us. We know it. But it's worth a mention today because it's, it's, it's bad and it's getting worse. The second thing is social media. Social media is a, a dumpster fire of nonsense that is just funneled into our students' minds. All right, you have the likes of Andrew Tate, okay, which is, which is fun for the kids to watch right now. You have, you have Jeffrey Starr, who is a crazy, awful human being. The Ace Family, Christian deconstruction movements. Basically any secular rapper, right, kids, that exists. It's pretty rough, all right? Um, I, I woke up early this morning. I was researching some. There's a rapper called DaBaby, all right? Um, it's an atrocious lifestyle, atrocious lifestyle. Um, it's also a stupid name, but he exists among many that, that our culture listens to and celebrates. Um, <clears throat> the Kardashians, we had to have that conversation with our daughter. Um, I mean, just horrible, goodness gracious, just horrible. And the thing is, is like we consume this stuff, and we usually don't think too much about it. Uh, I'm guilty of this uh, myself. I'm guilty of this myself. Third problem I is that we, we tend to follow the trend of the world. 
Uh, and we're going to get into that in a minute with our churches. Number four is our kids are growing up in a world where good things are bad and bad things are good. And, and, and it's kind of been like that for, for a good portion of their, of their life. You've got to think about kids that, that are in the, the generation kind of coming up, like the, my, my son's generation. They, they haven't lived in a world where anything's been different. It has been broken since their inception. And we have to think, what, what does that lead us to? And the fifth one, the most important one, is that small things cause big rocks. All right? And I want you guys to write that. I want you, I want you to remember that through everything we talked about today. Small things cause big rocks. Um, so with all this being said, why does it feel like we're losing so badly? Uh, maybe you don't feel that. I feel that often. I feel like as a youth minister... Um, most days I'm, I'm failing, I'm failing the students, I'm failing families, I'm failing my own family and my kids. Uh, it just, for me, it, feel, it feels insurmountable, the stuff that, that, that our students are dealing with, that our families are dealing with. And I think it's hard because the, these attacks come from multiple angles, all right, almost every angle you can think of. And, and, and it, it promotes hopelessness. That's going to be something we talk about pretty much the whole day is it promotes hopelessness. So here's the thing, is like we, we know church today exists, we, we're, we're in it, we're a part of it. We look at things and we see it's really bad. But if you go back to the, if you go back to the New Testament, if you go back to the time of Christ, the, the Roman Empire was atrocious. Like we think things are bad now. Rome was pretty rough. All right, it was anything goes. And we're, we're kind of headed back to that, in my opinion, but, but Rome was, was rough. And the cool thing is, is that the church, the church grew and grew and grew amidst everything that they were dealing with. And, and I think the hard thing is, like, when we look at that, why is church in America declining? Why, why are they more empty? Why is our student generation, so most of the kids I teach on a Wednesday, their generation, the generation's coming, you know what they're saying about them? They're saying about they will be the first non-religious generation by the time they're in their 30s. That's like, as a whole, these kids' generation will not be in the church. That's, that is absolutely, if that does not freak you out, it should. That is a terrifying notion. And so what, what, <clears throat> what made the church in, in Rome grow and, and, and prosper uh, amidst all of the crazy stuff that they dealt with? Well, I think for the most part, they were a counterculture. Doug's talked about that several times. This church in the, in, in the day of Rome was, was this counterculture. They weren't as influenced by the world as we are. Now, they had their moments, which is why you have the rest of the New Testament, um, the letters to the churches, because they slipped up. They, they weren't perfect. But here's the thing. is like We have to understand, like what, what, does, what does our church look like? What does God's church, what is keeping it down from being as successful as we want it to be? Well, my two cents is, like, we know, we know Jesus won the battle, right? Like, Jesus has won. We can celebrate that. That is hopeful. That, that brings us life if you, uh, if you subscribe to that. But I think the church has forgotten that Satan is, is very good at what he does. And I don't want to give props to the enemy. That's, I'm not in favor of that. But Satan's very good at what he does. I mean, his whole thing is, is pride, right? His whole, his whole reason for, for who he is, is is pride. So he's not going to go without a fight. So think about the message to our young women today. 
right, the world, the internet, it's all about fighting for less abuse and harassment in the workplace, which is a, it's, it's a great thing. It's actually a Christian idea that we support. But you know what isn't a Christian idea? They, while they yell their, their false morality at us, the world's message to our young women is that if men objectify you, it's horrible and egregious. But if you objectify yourself, it's empowerment. And no one can tell you different. That is insane. Yet, it's exploded. This notion, I mean, it is everywhere. It's absolutely crazy. And the crazy part is, is that for most of it, it happens right in our homes. Right in our homes. Closed doors. Right in our homes for the world to see. It's empowerment. That's crazy. See, and the thing is, the very, the very people that view the content are the evil ones. We never look at the people that make the content as the ones that are stricken with this. Now, granted, both parties, my opinion, very, very wrong, struggling, need help, need Jesus. But what Satan is doing is he tell, he's telling us, I'm going to ruin your kids from inside your own house. With a phone and a couch and a closed door, I'm going to destroy your children. And we're seeing it all over the place. He's going to take their joy, and he's going to take their peace, and he's going to take their hope. And it breaks my heart. I came home last Wednesday. Addie's not here for any of the stories I'm going to tell today. I came home last Wednesday, and, uh, and I was broken. Or two Wednesdays ago, we had youth group. I was broken. It was just, for whatever reason, it just, like, youth group hit me wrong that night. And I just felt this, this sense, this, this deep sense of hopelessness. And the hard thing is, now, now I'm going to say a lot of things today, and I don't want you to feel like I'm picking on any one of you. When I talk about our church, sometimes, yes, I'm talking about our church. Most of the time I'm talking about God's church, the big, the big C. But what, what troubles me is we've had, we've had hundreds of students come through this youth group in the last almost decade. It's pretty cool. But what troubles me is I don't feel like a lot of parents are fighting against any of this stuff. You might be thinking, Caleb, don't judge me. You don't know what my life is like. You don't know what, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. I'm not, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge at all because I'm as guilty as the next person. But there's an urgency. On Tuesdays when me and Doug meet, there's, there's an urgency that we talk about. That's like, are we fighting for our children and, and, and our kids' friends? Are we fighting for that generation like, like our lives depend on it? Some of the kids might be, you guys might be freaking out now, being like, I'm going to go home, I'm going to get my phone taken away, it's going to be blown into a billion pieces. And, and I'm not suggesting that. You guys are safe, all right? Not suggesting that. Sometimes that's too easy uh, of a punishment or, or a discipline. I'm not up here being like we need to Quaker up or, you know, like Mennonite is right or any of that. We're not changing that. What I am asking is, is, what do the conversations in our household look like? What do the conversations with your kids look like? I had a conversation with my daughter two weeks ago as we were driving down to Springfield. And here's the thing is, like, I, I tamed this sermon way down, all right? I tamed it way down. Because the things that are, you, you would not believe. That's why I want you to go home and just watch, watch two hours of YouTube with your kids. You wouldn't believe 
the trash that is in this world. I mean, it is egregious. I had a conversation with my daughter, 45 minutes about rape and stuff she watched on the internet and stuff she heard at youth group. Never a conversation I thought I'd have to have with my 14-year-old. The video that she saw was making light of it. That's insane. But this is the stuff that just funneled through our brains constantly. It's pretty crazy. And here's the thing is, why am I telling you all this today? Why do I feel just weight today? It's because what I've been dealing with as a parent is I feel like my daughter knows more about internet celebrities, celebrities than she does her own Lord and Savior. And that makes me sad. And it makes me feel like a failure. And it makes me worried for her future. Because it's not that we don't talk about it. It's not that we don't teach it. But that's the hold that the world has. That's the hold the world has. So I'm going to break it up for a minute because I don't know how better to do this. I wrote something called my woke memoirs. Okay, I'm going to read it because I can't memorize it all. It's very long. And I'm going to do my best to break down the insanity, just a portion of it that we deal with. So they start by attacking the family. Divorce rates have doubled in the last 50 years, but if you look at the statistics now, it may seem that divorce rates are better. Um, that's only really because people aren't getting married that much anymore. Uh, they're just having sex with each other and calling it good. Porn is on the rise, and with the sanctity of marriage being under attack, it's not rocket surgery to figure out why that is easier than real connections. Our boys are being conditioned with promises and lustful appeals to dress and act like thugs and gangsters because that is the picture of success we applaud in our culture now. They are taught by the Andrew Tates of the world that toxic masculinity is false and fake, all while teaching our boys and young men that if you want to be an alpha and a winner, that abusing women and children is okay. It's actually right, and you should treat them like objects to, to pleasure your unsatiated desires and make as much money as you can however you can while you do so. To counter that toxic message of masculinity, the culture says, actually, if you don't want us to hate you for being a straight white dude, just become a woman, and that will solve all your problems. And girls, if you ever wanted short hair and an urge to wear plaid or slightly loose-fitting clothing, that's because you're actually a boy trapped inside the patriarchy that you must fight against by mutilating your body and becoming the toxic male, which we will then hate you for. It all may seem very confusing. It gets worse, and it, if you need a therapist and you haven't chosen your own, one will be appointed to you on the government's dime, which will be billed to your neighbor who is actually paying for this. So maybe just go and speak to them, because to be honest, everyone is equally as uneducated today with the schools being hyper-woke and failing across the board. And uh, to be honest, if you don't believe what we tell you, you are actually the problem. Please don't ask questions. Hitler's bad, you Nazi, but communism is good. Ladies, see, our girls are taught empowerment disguised as prostitution. Self-worth disguised as, well, the opposite of self-worth. They shave their head in protest, again, against the patriarchy, against the toxic stare of straight men, all while they film themselves dancing and twerking in less and less clothing because that's liberating, right? Men in the room, don't objectify them, but 
but you do have to watch the videos and you do have to click like and subscribe and follow because they got to get paid, right? But it's not prostitution. I mean, I guess it makes sense if you don't really think about it. Just to catch you up, feminists are now at war with the trans community because the trans community keeps stealing players from their side. Uh, also, when it comes to toxic masculinity, again, as a toxic male myself, I've never fought ever for the right to be able to use a woman's bathroom or changing room. And you would think as the monster I am, I would have fought for that by now, right? But it turns out the people who yell the loudest about workplace abuse and male harassment and the Me Too movement, they're very interested in getting biological males into those places. You tell me who the problem is. Our kids are taught to look at everything through lustful eyes, that nothing is off limits, that all rules are made to be broken, that babies are made to be slaughtered on the altar of self, that the, our kids are taught that they're the most important thing that's ever happened to anyone on the face of the planet. Kids, you are special and I love you, but, but only Jesus holds that place. The world tells them to be their real self, but really teaches them to be fake happy, fake nice, falsely fulfilled, and to scream about their fake morality that is all but disguising their deep hopelessness. That's just a part, <laughs> just a part of the insanity that is in our world. And that stuff, that's all true. I'm not up here just making up nonsense. That's all true. And see, that's the thing. It's like, we, we, I think we're even desensitized to it now, which is, which is crazy. And the thing is, this is hopeless. Like, this is, is hopeless. Guys, I see it every week. This is like my life. This is hopeless. And we know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But the difference is, is we have Jesus, right? We have Jesus, so it's all better. But my problem is, is why is this the conversation in the Christian community? Like, why is hopelessness on the rise in the Christian community? Because if you don't think it is, it is. The, st the statistics coming out of, of, uh, of Christian led organizations and churches is staggeringly frightening. They predict that in the next 20 years, okay, when your kids are my age, they will not be in the church. Like 80% of them. That's, that's insane. That terrifies me. And the thing is, is like, this is, I, I can see it trending. I've calculated it out throughout the, the almost decade we've been here. We've had uh, over 250 students come through this church, this youth group. That's pretty cool. You know, how many of them still have a faith? How many of them come, coming from Christian homes still even, uh, even have any of it left? Not a lot. And a lot of them are in the stuff I just read. They're dealing with it. They're, they're a part of it. And we can't see what's going on. See, the lesson is when you lean into the world, you fall away from Christ. You can't lean into the world and lean into Christ. It doesn't work. You can't follow the world and follow Christ. Students, I, I'm afraid you guys are going to learn this the hard way. I'm afraid you're learning it the hard way. 
You guys know. You guys know the kids that have been through here that have obliterated their lives, and they're not much older than you. Breaks my heart. I think the church, especially in America, is currently learning this the hard way. God gave us words upon words, sentences, stanzas, paragraphs, stories, historical accounts throughout the vastness of time, all to tell us the lesson that you can't follow the world and follow him. It doesn't work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Adults, you've probably tried it. It doesn't work. What I'm worried about is that we're okay with our kids kind of trying it. It doesn't work. It just brings hopelessness. So now that we've laid out a very fraction of the story that is very dark. And here's the thing. Most of the time when I bring this up, like, we realize that, like, scripturally it's just going to get worse and worse, right? Like, we're not going to wake up in 20 years and, boom, people are just like, Jesus is awesome. What have I been doing my whole life? He's amazing. He takes away the sins of the world. It's beautiful. It's fun. That's not going to happen going to get worse and worse and worse until one day God is like, enough is enough. And he sends his son back to get us. I know I sound, I was worried about it, I know I sound like the mean preacher from Footloose. Alright? Dancing is bad. Don't dance. Alright? If that's all we were talking about, I could see that being a problem. Okay? It's not even close. It's not even close. But here's the thing. We've discussed the darkness, now let's talk about finding a renewal in hope, which comes from the gospel. So the big thing we're going to talk about today is reconstruction, okay? Reconstruction. It's a beautiful word, it makes beautiful things happen, so many applications in our life, but, but reconstruction on a spiritual level today. And the first thing that we have to do is we have to tear down before we can rebuild, all right, we have to tear down before we can rebuild. Parents, families, students. We've talked in youth group a bunch. Habits you make now as a kid in your teen years, you're going to take into your 30s and 40s. Trust me, I'm dealing with some of my own right now that I should have thought harder when I was younger. But we have to tear down before we can rebuild. So here's the thing. I'm going to tell you a couple stories. I need you to put a, a spiritual spin on all of them, all right? So... So follow with me. I have, a, I have a lovely, small, saltwater reef aquarium in my office. I love it. It's, it, it looks a lot better now. Um, it's got some cool fish in it. It's got some coral from the ocean. Oh. I abandoned it for like nine months last year. Okay, I kind of fed the fish a little bit. That was about it. And it got bad. Okay? It got real bad. Filled with hair algae and nuisance algae. It was disgusting. And the whole thing, it was like a five-gallon bucket of algae. It was, it was gross. It was bad enough to the point where people would come in, and they would come in to talk to me, and they'd be like, oh, that, that looks bad. It does look bad. I had people come in a couple times and be like, it smells bad in here. I'm like, nah, I'm like I, sh I shower enough. The last time somebody came in, they're like, they, they came in, I think, to ask me, are you going to fix this or am I going to have to fix this? Okay? They're like, it, it's, it's time, Caleb. I'm like, I, I know, I know. 
so you got to get to work today because I wanted it to look nice. I wanted to, I wanted to get new fish, and I wanted, wanted to, the, the corals are awesome. They're little creatures of their own. It's beautiful. So I had to get my hands dirty. I had to scoop out about three hours of, of picking and, and scooping. It was disgusting. Right, and it smelled, my house smelled bad for days. Okay, it was bad. Bad ocean, not good. Do you get the correlation though? Like I couldn't just be like, I want this to magically look better. Throw some new fish in there. Throw some expensive coral in there and be like, it'll be good. Because everybody else is going to come and be like, it still looks like garbage. I'm like, yeah, I know. We have to tear it down before we can rebuild. What in our life? What in our family lives? What, what in, our, in our personhood do we have to do this with? All right. The next thing is my, if you've been to my home, it's not great. Um, I, I love my home. Um, it's, it's kind of a hodgepodge of whoever built it. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not a, a fix-it guy. All right. So when things break in my house, they broke them. All right. Men, don't judge me. When they break in my house, they're broken. Sometimes I'll get up the nerve to try and fix it. And usually I don't because I'm worried I'm either going to make it worse or I'm, I'm, I don't know how to do it, you know. And that's the thing is, like, when you come over to my house, sometimes you're going to be like, oh, yeah. If it's, if, even if it's clean, you're like, ah, oh, man. What, you know, my floorboards are not great. There's spaces, gaps. Uh, people came over to fix my tub because I don't know how to do that. And uh, there's some mold, all right. Don't want to get my kids taken away. There's some mold on this. I watched some videos. How do you how do you caulk things? First step, take old caulk off. I'm like, <laughs> no. Put the silicone over it, right? Because that's a horrible idea, and it doesn't work. What did that? What do you think I did? Oh, I did that. I did second because it was easier. All right, that was a bad idea. It's already it's already not working. That was like a month ago. The funny part is, I, as I was writing this out, if you know anything about me, I'm terrified of house fires. That's like my number one thing. Accidentally hitting people with my car is number one. Number two, house fires. Okay? When we leave for vacation or for like four hours, I unplug everything in my house. All right? I'm a crazy person. For about a year, there's been a light switch in my daughter's room that is broken. We go in, turn the closet on. All right? Light switch goes back up on its own. Light doesn't come back on. I've researched it. I know this is a fire hazard. Okay? You would think someone that was terrified about their house burning down. That would be an easy fix. Right, guys? Anybody in here that knows how to do that? Easy fix. And I'm like, ah, I'm good. How much is this like our spiritual lives? How much is this like sometimes our family lives? Where it's like we know things are broken. But we're kind of okay with that. I told this story to my kids, uh, to, to the kids a couple weeks ago. My dad was young, living in Africa. Somebody gave him a package of bacon to cook with no instructions and a box of matches. All right? So they live in Africa, pretty close to, like, the bush, dry grass, all that good stuff. My dad goes out with a friend, is like, ah, we're going to cook the bacon here over an open flame puts the bacon on a pile of dry grass in the middle of a dry field in the middle of Africa, strikes the, ba the box, sets the continent on fire, okay? I kid you not, 
my dad as a young man, very young man, burned down an entire banana plantation. That'd be like if we were playing a game and we sent the kids out and they burned down the vineyards in St. James. Like ruined people's lives, all right? He ran and hid from it. <laughs> you can't hide from a wildfire. That is literally impossible. You can't hide from a wildfire. But he goes and hides, and they're like, Derek, did you, did you burn the banana plantation down? No. Okay, didn't. They knew. They're like, yeah, no, <laughs> you just need to confess. He was like, I didn't, I didn't. You know, literally, fire behind him. He's like, didn't do it. How much is that our life? <laughs> How much is that our spirituality? How much is that our kids sometimes? You know, somebody will walk in to your life. You're like, all your kids are on fire. Do you know this? Oh, yeah. You want some water? You want an extinguisher? Nah, figure it out. <laughs> There's a point where we can't hide from it. In my life, I can't hide from it. Those guys' lives can't hide from it. Students, you can't hide from it. I know I sound like a crotchety old dude. But here's the thing, okay? If I didn't have the experience, I would say you could write me off. But I've seen time and time again students ruin their lives. And just once, I wish people would listen. Because I don't want to see it anymore. But here's the thing. What does the gospel look like? What is the hope? Four things real quick before we end. Number one is we must recognize the better way. Not a better way. We're not Oprah the better way. Okay, that way is Jesus. Doug has railed on this for years here. I rail on this at youth group. Jesus is the better way. Figure out how to follow him. Number two, use Jesus to measure what is good and use the Bible to measure its depths. Use Jesus to figure out what is good and use the Bible to measure its depths. The hope of the gospel comes from the goodness of the Lord, right? Like we know that. But the thing is, is that I don't know how much we know this. We have to follow the true Jesus of the Scripture. The things that he tells us to, to, to search and search after. The things he tells us to put away out of ourselves. We, we died to our sin. And the thing is, why, why is the Christian deconstruction movement, if you don't know what that is, go and, 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 and YouTube it. Christian deconstruction movement. Why is that huge right now? And it's huge with people my age and younger, is because they're looking at the church and being like, You're shallow. You teach shallow things, you do shallow things. I don't want any part of that. I've lived in this part of the country long enough to know there's a lot of churches around us, very shallow. And that shallowness is going to catch up with us and it's going to kill us. So we've got to teach the truth, which is what we strive to do here. But you, students, you have to search out the depths of the scriptures. Number three, the gospel is good news. The gospel is the good news of renewal that never gives up. And here's the thing. I don't care how old my daughter is. I don't care how old my daughter is. 
she knows enough that if she's 30 and she falls away, I'm going to be I'm going to be there day in and day out trying to bring her back. Because that is what is worth it. I'm never gonna, until one of us dies, <laughs> I'm not going to stop. Now I hope she doesn't. But that's the thing is like the gospel never quits on us. I see so often that we we kind of give up, give up on our students. Number three, or sorry, number four, the true pursuit of the gospel renews us. The true pursuit of the gospel renews us. And this kind of comes back to this, this, this shallowness that we deal with. It's like I've, I've been around enough to know that we, we've dealt with people who claim to be Christians and in most ways do not live any of it out. And, and the kids are on fire. And I've had the conversations to be like, man, we can, we can help with this. We want to help with this. I don't want to see this happen. And it's like, they're, they're good. Seeds were planted. Things were done. Give it time. I'm like, but your, <laughs> your kid is on fire right now. The true pursuit of the gospel renews us. And that's the thing, guys. The fake pursuit that this country does so often does not lead to hope. Okay, It's like a false hope. It's a fake hope. And brokenness still grows and rots inside of us. The true pursuit, the only outcome, is renewal. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. If you are truly pursuing God, the only outcome is renewal. And this is our thing. Is I think sometimes we pursue in doubt. It's like, I don't want to put all my, ba- my eggs in that basket because what if it doesn't work out? The only way it works out is if you put all your eggs in that basket. The only way you find renewal in your life, in your family, in yourself, with your relationship with God, is if you completely follow Jesus in everything that you do. Ben, you guys can come up. So we started off today understanding the world promotes brokenness as the goal. If we chase that, if our kids chase that, they will be broken. I think the message I'm trying to get across today is that if we desire renewing of our spirit, I think we need to go home and take a look in the mirror. Students, go home. Check your lives. What do you got going on? Parents, go home. If your kids are struggling, we got to look at what are we chasing. I, I have been doing this, and to be honest, I'm pretty disappointed in myself. There are things that I know I could be doing better. And that's the thing. I'm not up here to judge anybody. You guys are all on your own journey. I'm here to just tell you what I see and what I'm experiencing myself. I've been kind of all over the map this morning. I apologize for that. It's hard preaching one sermon. you got so much stuff in your head. I think the thing that scares me and the reason I feel so intense about this is because our kids are our future. They are the future for everything, obviously, but they are especially the future for the church. And if we don't fight for it, it will be gone. Now, I'm not saying the kingdom is going to fade away. I'm not saying that, that the church will not survive in a way because that's, that's not how God operates. But the thing is, is like how many casualties do we have to have before we understand that it's real? The hope of the gospel is beautiful. It is the thing to chase. If you are here today and you need 
we need to talk about that, and we are here. The elders, myself, and Doug's here. He's always available. If you're having trouble with your families, man, this is the place. We are the people to do our best, our messy best, to help with that. I'm going to leave you with this today. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appeal.